Building Jerusalem. The Ottomans and the Mamluks concluded their second war within two years, and the result, with an Ottoman win naturally, led to empire ruling the whole of the Middle East. In particular, 1516 led to the ceding of Jerusalem by the Mamluks to the Ottomans. Unlike stories such as Constantinople, however, which led to the deaths of thousands of soldiers on both sides, this was a peaceful win, with hardly any blood spilled at all. Jerusalem, like today, is a city known across the globe as a historically essential and religious city. This wasn't and isn't just the case for Islam, however. Christians and Jews as well consider the town a sacred place in their history. The Ottomans were not clumsy, however, during their conquests, and they understood that they couldn't just walk into any old city and either destroy anything and everything that wasn't Muslim, nor could they leave the town and its people to fend for itself. It needed to show its new people that the Ottomans were worthy rulers. Jerusalem was especially important. The Ottomans knew that the city was crucial because of its history and consequently began an extensive development project, one which would last to this day. In this podcast, we shall explore how and why the Ottomans invested so heavily into Jerusalem. By using sources, both textual and visual, we can engage with the Ottomans and Jerusalem, understanding the developments they made and reasoning behind this. We'll explore four key features which can still be viewed for the, in the city today. The fountains, places for community, not just providing water. The walls, symbols of Ottoman might and imperial power. The dome of the rock, a symbol of Islam's presence in the city. And finally, the Emirates, still running to this day. In this, let us discover Suleiman the Great's motives and ultimately how the sublime state built Jerusalem. Let's start our journey by looking at one of the first developments in the city. The Ottomans began in the first of the 16th century in Jerusalem, the walls. Being the first thing that visitors saw when entering the town, the walls were an incredibly important aspect of Jerusalem and the Ottomization of the city. Images of the town taken today shows that walls are still standing, surrounding the city to offer both protection, although this wasn't and it isn't the ultimate purpose and status of authority. Using the images taken of Jerusalem today, we can see that the Ottomans built four entrances, one on each side of the town. This showed practically a message to the new people of the empire that the Ottomans weren't just, didn't just value the safety of its land, but also worked to ensure the day-to-day -day business of its people wouldn't be ignored. Amy Singer, a notable scholar on the development of Jerusalem in the 16th century, notes two critical points to the construction of the walls, as we've discussed. Firstly, 
they provided security, although notably they were not doing the same quality and military standard of those cities which were on the boundaries of the empire. And secondly, as the first sign of Ottoman rulership, the walls conveyed a message of the Mamluks are gone and the Ottomans are here. Fountains, an essential aspect in Ottoman life throughout other Ottoman-led cities, have become a crucial part of culture during the 15th and 16th centuries. They were not merely used for the supply of water to its citizens. They began to use it more as a community place where people would meet, talk and discuss local news. The foundations, after the Adequate was rebuilt, were strategically placed within the cities, with all six being placed in prominent positions. Amy Singer, in the chapter Making Jerusalem Ottoman, discusses the six locations of the fountains. Two were built along the main north road of the town, still present, one located near the east gate on the city wall, another on the east, one on the gate of the chain which led to Haram, and the fifth, another was placed on the north side of the refurbished Dome of the Rock, a subject we'll discuss shortly. Finally, the last fountain was based on the Sultan's Pool, a reminder to citizens who it was that had ordered these developments and the great leadership the in the Ottomans' view that they provided. The fountains had many benefits for the Ottomans in Jerusalem, outlined by Singer again. Firstly, the fountains provided an obvious need for water in a city which was in the desert. Providing this water to working fountains wasn't as easy as it seemed, however, with local groups outside the city, Beardones, diverting the water flow along the adequate situated outside the walls. Furthermore, the location of the fountains also underpinned the fundamental fact that Islam was now the predominant religion in the town although other beliefs were respected in their own right during the first years of Ottoman control. By looking at the imagery of the, on the, of the fountains, such as those provided in Singer's writings, we are able to see that whilst modest in size, their decoration and importance would have again underpinned Islam's domain. Religion was as remains to be, an important aspect which defined the structure and governance of this Middle Eastern city. The Ottomans, therefore, invested heavily into the Dome of the Rock. By looking at objects within the Victoria and Albert Museum's archives, we can understand the kind of Ottomization which took place in this particular restoration. The exterior of the rock was replaced with unmistakably Ottoman-style tiles. Two tile fragments taken from the restoration shows the iconic blue, white and yellow colours. Interestingly enough, the same craftsmen who produced these tiles were provided the same tiles in Damascus. 
The continued repairs of the dome during the first half of the 16th century demonstrated, as proposed by Amy Singer, the competition between foreign powers at the time. As the Church of the Holy Secular was repaired, the dome also continued to oversee extensive repairs. Consequently, the competition continued and it showed the Ottomans were able to care for Christian buildings as well as compete against them. As we said before, in the end of the day, Ottomans didn't want to cause a rebellion within the city, but they did want to make clear that Islam, in the end of the day, was the dominant religion in this one. After the second and conclusion of the Mamluk War, the Ottomans dominated the whole of the Middle East, and it possessed cities which had never been part of such a vast empire. With this, the Ottomans knew that the development of Jerusalem was significant for many reasons. Firstly, for the symbolism of great Ottoman leadership. Secondly, for the protection of its newly acquired city. And finally, to ensure that the city continued to economically thrive. When we look at the works produced by the Ottomans, objects acquired by the V&A Museum and research concluded by Amy Singer and other leading scholars, we can greater understand Ottoman Jerusalem and the sublime state's intentions for it. Jerusalem remains one of the most recognisable cities in the world, both for the Ottomans and for the present day.